Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Christia Freeland is expected to unveil a $7 billion plan today aimed at fighting inflation. The finance minister announces a big speech to respond to the needs of people. And we learn that the speech will include entirely re-announcements of previous measures, nothing new to help people right now. The opposition continues to call for the resignation of the public safety minister. The minister of public safety has misled Canadians several times. He said protesters started fires in an Ottawa apartment building. That was false. He said foreign money was funding the protest. Not true. And he said law enforcement asked for the Emergencies Act. Also false. So does the Prime Minister agree that Canadians deserve better than a minister who repeatedly and overtly misleads them? And the lifting of travel restrictions isn't expected to solve problems at Canada's airports and borders. doesn't really explain, to be honest, why those agencies weren't gearing up well in advance of of the summer because the projections were that the uh, number of people traveling would rise substantially. It's Thursday, June 16th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. So there's a lot of focus, obviously, on inflation right now. Uh, in the United States, uh, the, the central bank is increasing interest rates by 75 basis points, one of the biggest jumps in years. Uh, the Bank of Canada, of course, has been has been increasing interest rates over the last few months after a, a long period of stability. Um, and uh, Christia Freeland, we're expecting today, is going to announce a seven billion dollar plan. Uh, that's how it's being reported to fight inflation. Um, so this is this is obviously top of mind uh, for a lot of Canadians and for politicians right now. Yeah, well, I mean, taking those in turn, the the, the the Fed has increased rates to 1.75. I think if you're trying to get a, a 30-year fixed mortgage now, you're paying over 6%, which sounds a lot compared to pre-pandemic, but obviously, historically, it's, it's, it's still pretty low. For those, I mean, obviously, the, and obviously the Bank of Canada is going to follow suit. We're going to see the rate rising in lockstep with the Fed till, towards somewhere over 3%. You know, that is going to be a huge problem for people who bought houses, for example, during the pandemic, when we saw prices rise 50%. The number of people who are now uh, highly indebted, which means that their debt-to-income ratio is 350% or more, it's now one in five. You know, 20 years ago, it was something like one in 14. So these rate rises are not, you know, an academic point for a lot of people. They're, people they are going to see, uh, even if they're locked in, they're going to see when they renew their mortgages, they're going to see their... their Mortgage payments increase, you know, 30%, the Bank of Canada estimated, uh, when, you know, over the next five years. So this is a, a huge issue for people. Candice Bergen, the Conservative leader yesterday, said that uh, Justin Trudeau is losing touch with Canadians' needs, that uh, inflation is, is out of control, blamed the government for high spending, and I think there's an element of truth in that. I mean, while, while uh, inflation is a global phenomenon, uh, the federal government has not helped matters by uh, with its uh, with, with its fiscal policies, and then today, Christian Freeland is going to come out and say how tell Canadians how the government intends to to combat that high inflation. And, it, and while it's being pitched as a seven billion dollar plan, I suspect it's money that's already, for the main part, baked into the to the budget, because it's things like 
increases in old age security, the Canada Child Benefit, the Canada, Work, Canada Workers Benefit, things that are, were already anticipated to rise with the cost of living. So it's not as if there's a whole bunch of new money. Right. And, he, and, and let's hope there's not new money because stimulating the economy right now is, is, is not what the economy needs. I mean, it's like uh, trying to lose weight by eating more. Yeah, in more government spending equals more inflation, right? Right, right, yeah. right. And at the same time, the, the Bank of Canada is trying to choke off that inflation by increasing interest rates. So it's not a great time for the government. I think, um, you know, we're in, uh, what, year seven of, the, of a Liberal government, and there's a whole bunch of storms on the horizon. The, the, the uh, cost of living crunch, this Emergencies Act uh, issue keeps rumbling on the reluctance to lift COVID mandates. These are all things that Bergen was pointing to to point out that uh, Trudeau's completely lost sight of Canadians' needs. All right. Uh, the other big issue dominating the House of Commons these days has been uh, Marco Mendicino, the public safety minister. The opposition continues to call for his resignation over the invoking of the Emergencies Act. Uh, where do you see this going? Well, it seemed pretty clear from question period on Wednesday that... Uh, Justin Trudeau is is uh, standing behind his man. He didn't seem to flinch about uh, the new evidence that had emerged. So, so Mendocino had told the committee that uh, he'd uh, that the government had brought in the Emergencies Act on the recommendation of police forces. And various police forces, the RCMP, Ottawa Police, went to the same committee and said it wasn't in our recommendation. And Bill Blair said something similar. Uh, in his committee appearance uh, the other night. So uh, it kind of left Mendicino as, as an outlier. Uh, but Trudeau uh, tried to to fudge that difference in question period. He, Wednesday's is, is Prime Minister's questions. He answered all the questions. Most of the questions were about Mendicino and, and um, calls to, for him to resign because he'd misled Parliament. Uh, but it does not seem that... that um, Trudeau is minded to do so. He he made the point that while Conservative MPs were were out on Wellington Street standing with the truckers, um, his government was consulting with police forces and then decided to implement the Emergencies Act. And his, he could have obfuscated the exact, whether it was a chicken or the, the egg that came first. And he said that while, after talking to the police forces, the political decision was made to uh, to invoke the Emergencies Act, uh, not he said police forces can't can't do that. They can't invoke the Emergencies Act, so it wasn't their decision. It's a little bit of uh, yeah. uh, subtlety there, political semantics, but um, but I think it's uh, this is something that will fade after Parliament rises next week. Yeah, and uh, there's still the broader question, obviously, of whether the act should have been used in the in the first place, which is the the subject of ongoing discussion and scrutiny. Right. I mean, I think that's the, that's the real key issue, and I think in my yeah. mind, it it seemed that uh, you know most of the problems had been solved before the Emergencies Act, and even if they weren't, uh, even if the the act was brought in first, the chain of events was was already in train that um, you know, yeah. the, the act wasn't needed. We'd already seen the crossing at Windsor, for example, cleared without the use of the act. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, what's been happening with travel and at, and at Canada's airports and, and borders. And, and uh, the, the, there are a lot of people observing that even with the lifting of, of some of the vaccine requirements, that the problems are not going to go away because that wasn't the only source of the of the issues. Right. So we're we're we can expect more delays if we're traveling this summer. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, they've, they've now decided that uh, to do away with random testing, for example, at, at airports. So that, you know, may or may not alleviate the problem. The, re- the real problem seems to be lack of staff for the Canada Border Services Agency and CATSA, the, the security folks. Um, and that's obviously not solved overnight. It doesn't really explain, to be honest, why um, those agencies weren't gearing up, weren't staffing up well in advance of, of the summer because the projections were that uh, we, we already know from internal documents that CATSA had already predicted that you know, travel uh, people, the number of people traveling would would uh, rise substantially. Yeah. I think the government seems to have been caught off guard in any number of departments, from passports to uh, to airports. But new concerns were raised yesterday, not just about the, the backlog of uh, passengers at airports who are having to sit on tarmac for a period of time, but uh, there were a group of mayors and business businesses in, uh, in communities along the Canada-U.S. border yesterday calling for the federal government to end the Arrive Canada app, or the Arrive Can app, saying it's discouraging Americans from visiting and shopping in Canada. And the mayor of Sarnia, Mike Bradley, said that uh, the app's been a disaster. And he said, when you're riding a dead horse, dismount. That's what the federal government needs to do. You know, he's saying that basically people who, on the, from the American side, if they, if they figure out they've got to go through all the rigmarole of having... Of, uh, complying with vaccine mandates, they're just not going to come. And, uh, you know, the Niagara Falls mayor reiterated that point, uh, businesses reiterated that point. So there's a lot of pressure on the federal government to to do away with these mandates, as COVID rates, obviously, are are, are continuing to fall. Now, obviously, there's a prospect that uh, in the autumn, those numbers might increase again. But, uh, but for now, it seems that... Um, Doing away with these requirements is uh, is likely to happen at the end of this month. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens with that. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. The world is changing rapidly. New technologies in cyber are emerging, presenting Canadians with unique opportunities in the way we do business and go about our daily lives. At the same time, We also have to be eyes wide open about possible threats to our critical cyber infrastructure. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Stephanie Carvin argues banning Huawei is just the start of protecting cyber infrastructure. Carvin writes, Banning Huawei from Canada's 5G network is not mission accomplished when it comes to protecting critical infrastructure. There is a great deal of unfinished business ahead, and it's worth asking whether future decisions about advanced technological systems and critical infrastructure will take as long as the 5G decision took. Canada cannot take years to decide every time a challenging technology issue emerges. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues the online censorship bill is a big problem. The Sun writes... 
it would be great if this legislation did just what the liberal government is saying it does and nothing else, which is modernizing Canada's broadcasting regulations for the digital and streaming age. It doesn't, though. It does more. It paves the way to censor the Internet, empowering the government to be able to regulate, block, and censor Canadian social media posts. This bill is a huge problem, and Canadians should be outraged. In the Financial Post, Goldie Hyder argues the U.S. sees Canada in 3D, and that's not good. Hyder writes, When U.S. officials look at Canada, three Ds pop out at them. Dairy imports, digital taxes, and defense spending. This poses a particular risk to the Canada-U.S. relationship because in each case, the White House and Congress believe Canada isn't following through on commitments we've made to them. Whatever our own understanding of Canadian policies in these areas, to the Americans, it looks like we're going back on our word. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with the Commissioner of Official Languages, Raymond Teberge. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will meet with small business owners in Toronto. She will also deliver a keynote address about the Canadian economy with a focus on the global challenge of inflation. Defence Minister Anita Anand is in Brussels to take part in a meeting of NATO Ministers of Defence. Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault will make an announcement in Lefebvre, Ontario. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will announce the finalists selected under the Business Models Streams of the Food Waste Reduction Challenge. FedDev Ontario Minister Helena Jazik will make an announcement regarding tourism in Ottawa. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will meet with long-term care staff and elders from Nunavut. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, June 16th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.